Hello and welcome to Afton Unplugged. I'm your host, Superintendent Travis Brock. This podcast features the people and stories that make the Afton School District great. Welcome to the next episode of Afton Unplugged. This is part three of a three-part series on uh, artificial intelligence and education. We have Adam Jasinski, Director of Technology for the Afton School District, who's joining us. And if you missed it, in uh, part two, we talked about how AI is currently in the classroom, or currently where can you find it in education. And then today's episode will be focused more on the future of AI in education, trends and predictions. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, again, thanks for joining us, Adam. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, what what are or what do we think are going to be some of those technological advances uh, specific to AI and and how they might you know impact education. Sure. So um, one thing that you're going to see probably sooner rather than later is Google and Microsoft are both trying to leverage embedded AI features in their technologies. So if you think of Google Docs or Google Slides. Um, they're going to have things where you can say, create a presentation on World War II, and it's going to give you that presentation. Um, you know, make a presentation about these specific things with information you feed it, it's going to be able to do that. There's systems that already kind of are starting to do that, but you haven't seen it really embedded in the tools that school districts are using. Um, Microsoft, um, I actually just saw. Um, just launched one with PowerPoint that can watch you do the presentation or hear you do the presentation <laughs> and then provide feedback on how you're speaking, how you're delivering the content. Um, so those things are coming very, very soon. Um, they haven't had official launch dates for some of it, but um, you know it's, it's going to be probably within the next year. Hmm. Um, thinking further out, um, and again, these are predictions, so mm-hmm. could sure. be wrong. Um, but you know, you can think of an AI system that could ingest uh, a textbook. It will know the textbook we're using. It will know the curriculum that we're using. Um, if we feed it information about how our students learn and their capabilities, um, it can could uh, foreseeably create in our learning management system Canvas an individualized, specialized course for every single student hmm. with their own specific lessons and their own rubrics really tailored to that individual student. So thinking of, you know, that personalized learning at really as personalized as it can get. Um, And then furthermore, being able to grade that homework, give that feedback, which frees the teacher up to work more on the relationship building, Um, you know, being that mentor, that support role. um, That's hard to do when you're trying to, you know, do all the back end tasks of how you actually teach someone something. Definitely. And, I know in the last episode we kind of talked about uh, personalized learning, customized learning, um, and the unique needs of individual students. Um, but we really didn't mention at all special education. Yeah. And so that's something we're required to do. We need to do that. It's something that um, you know districts take very seriously. And so um, that kind of falls into the category of personalized, customized, and unique. But at the same time, it, it definitely is something that uh, requires a lot of special attention 
for good reason. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, just with special education, um, anything that comes to mind there. Yeah, assistive technologies that are enhanced with AI, um, and they could provide those students with disabilities more um, intuitive and adaptive tools. Um, so if you think of real-time speech-to-text translations, um, you know, we've seen that for a little while. Um, some of them are okay, some of them aren't okay, but if AI is fueling it, you know, the capabilities of it will be leaps and bounds better than what we can see now. Um, so, you know, in thinking of, you know, like I mentioned, that customized course, you know, it will know students that have those cognitive challenges. You know, if they have dyslexia, um, it can tailor and adapt that course to help the students, you know, with those difficulties. Um, and also its ability in predictive analytics. So it can pinpoint kind of specific learning barriers for those students earlier mm -hmm. so they can get more timely interventions and support. And, it, you know, it, it doesn't get discovered you know, by the time they're in fourth grade that they might have dyslexia, it might happen a lot faster. Yeah, good point about kind of the front end. We know uh, the services that need to happen once students have been identified. We have to come up with uh, their um, you know, individual education plan, but certainly the identification process itself um, yeah. could, could be, uh, you know, aided probably in a number of ways. All right, let's think a little bit about you know, preparing students. Um, you know, we've heard the saying, we're preparing students for jobs that don't exist. You know, there's these th uh, catchphrases that you hear and they make sense when you think about them. You're like, yep, the ch world is changing very quickly. And so it definitely resonates now more than ever. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, maybe specifically about AI. What, what are some of those things that we probably need to be thinking about as we prepare students, not just for the future, but now, a future that could possibly very much have artificial intelligence as part of it. So talk to us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, you hear that You hear that phrase, preparing stu students for jobs that don't exist yet. We also might be preparing them for jobs that are going to cease to exist, mm -hmm. um, at least um, in the quantity of jobs available. Um, and so the world is going to change, whether it's for the positive or negative on your, on your view on that. Um, and industries will be impacted. Um, I think it's going to be more positive than negative. I think the fears of, you know, mass unemployment are a little unfounded. Um, you know, we've made predictions in the past about how quickly it's going to happen, and they've all been wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, we tend to make it happen faster than it is. It definitely feels like it's moving quickly because mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, updates and things they're adding. Um, but industries move slow to adopt it. So, you know, if you think of this is going to kill coding jobs, um, I would argue that it's not. It's just going to make people more productive at coding. Gotcha. Um, so really kind of teaching students how to leverage these tools. Think about how to use them to their benefit on how to aid them, how they have that personal assistant and that those capabilities of um, in improving their learning or having something explained to them in a way that, you know, helps them more than just the traditional classroom setting. Um, because it's, it's moving quickly and our students that are in kindergarten now will be walking out into a, a very different reality than I think we could even attempt to predict here. Gotcha. What are some of the, you know, we often talk about skills as well as knowledge. And so what, what do you think are some of those skills that might even be magnified more so, you know, in an AI driven world? Yeah. So 
it, it really right now, especially with ChatGPT, the one everybody talks about, mm-hmm. um, the main benefit I see is how it can help students improve their writing. Um, it's incredibly useful at here's a paper I wrote, here's a paragraph I wrote. Does this sound clear? Does this sound concise? Mm-hmm. What improvements would you suggest? Um, you know, or like I mentioned, the presentations, you know, helping them, maybe the system is, is giving them that real-time feedback when they're at home recording a, a voiceover on their Chromebook or recording a presentation on their Chromebook. Um, so it needs to be kind of embedded in the courses we're already teaching. I don't think it needs to be its own separate entity that we create a course on AI and people take that mm. um, because it's, it's really going to impact, you know, any number of things you can think of, um, you know, being fearful of it or ignoring it is definitely going to do a disservice to our students. Um, the folks that embrace this, these tools, um, and actually use them correctly are going to outpace people that aren't using them. Um, because again, it's about efficiency and capability of producing, you know, whatever content is faster. Um, you know, I already mentioned programmers, um, you know, I think you'll see an explosion of maybe one programmer without AI assistance can write 10,000 lines of code, but with AI assistance, they could write 10 million lines mm. of code. Um, I just made those numbers up. They might not be real. Um, but the point is, you know, that, that efficiency is there. So you'll see probably an explosion of, of code um, that we that we haven't really um, lived through yet. It feels like it's exploded, but I think it's going to go even faster. Um, and it's not just those high-level things, you know, um, attorneys can use it to review and write more policy, review cases. Um, a mechanic could use it to diagnose a car problem. Um, you know, a chef could use it to create, um, you know, a, a menu based on a list of ingredients that he has. Um, or an artist can use it for idea generation. It's also really good at um, kind of generating those, those thoughts for you to, to, you know, get that brainstorming session going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly a couple of things you mentioned. Um, I, when I think of that, although you mentioned it kind of in the context of a career or a profession, you know, have curriculum implications. So we have uh, family and consumer science classes. They have to think about what ingredients they have, what can what can they make, how can they do that. We have computer science courses. Kids are learning how to code. Anything else come to mind when you think about um, AI and education and maybe specifically curriculum? Yeah, um, you know, the, the English department, um, you know, and I've had conversations with some of our teachers on, you know, could a student use this to generate a paper? Yes, yes, it could. Uh, yes, they could. And, and universities are really trying to grapple with how to, how to deal with that, too. Um, so, you know, again, AI is a tool that can be used to improve that writing. It shouldn't do the writing for you. Um, so really getting teachers to think about, you know, how they're writing their curriculum, how they're reviewing the things students submit to make sure that they aren't completely generated by AI. Gotcha. And, you know, certainly when we talk about things like writing, literacy, very fundamental things, learning to read, learning to write, whether you're in elementary school or continuing to refine those skills all the way through high school, we know that kids learn at different rates. Mm-hmm. Sometimes students have learning disabilities, why they have an IEP, why we have special education. Uh, how can AI help 
truly make um, education accessible, um, equitable. And we often hear about people talk about gaps in learning and yeah. kids enter uh, school with different skills. Um, and so how do we truly try to wrap our arms around, you know, embracing something that sometimes seems impossible in regards to truly trying to put all of our students on equal footing to improve their outcome. So maybe talk a little bit about AI kind of in that context of equity in education. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind for me, and we've, I've mentioned it a couple of times already is that idea of they have a tutor in their pocket. Um, you know, a, a student that can afford to pay someone, you know, $200 a month for math tutoring is probably going to perform better on math than a student that doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if an AI tutor can be given to all of our students and they all have access to the same high level um, capabilities and abilities of these systems without having to incur that cost that many families can't afford, um, you know, it's really going to help tailor their education to their individual needs. Um, you know, one challenge is kind of getting people and institutions to not immediately be fearful and block these things. Um, cause that's, that's what a lot of schools have done. You know, they've, mm-hmm. they've went, a lot of universities and K-12 institutions have said, we won't use AI at all. You shouldn't use it. And again, I think that's um, a disservice because those students that maybe can't afford that subscription to chat GPT mm-hmm. and know how to use it correctly are going to use it regardless if the institutions say you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they use it appropriately and correctly, the you know teachers won't even know that they are. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to you know p- produce that work faster. They'll be able to have less stress. So it kind of creates that divide, uh, you know, makes that divide even further if you're not giving the same access to everybody. Um, so finding those products and selecting them will be important. You know, they, they don't exist necessarily yet. We're talking about in the future here. Um, so, you know, there's not a product that I think schools should be jumping into and using with their students just yet. Um, you know, we still have to make sure those data privacy boxes are checked. Um, and we really have to be um, mindful of products that claim things because, again, there's no governing body that says this is what an AI system is. So mm-hmm. they could, you know, just use that as kind of, um, you know, a marketing ploy to get you to purchase their product. Gotcha. And I know uh, just like we talk about preparing kids for the future and, and jobs that may not exist uh, right now. You know, the, another thing that has come up is, you know, what some people call the digital divide. So what access do um, kids have at home yep. versus what access do they have at school? And typically education has kind of thought about that in terms of computer and Internet, you know, and th- schools have gone to great lengths to try to make sure that that those aren't just available at school. Uh, perhaps if, if those need to be available at home, they're trying to come up with systems that, you know, bridge that digital divide. So kind of thinking of that um, issue that schools have already grappled with and, and continue to work on, um, is AI similar, different, or what are, can we think of it in kind of those same terms? Is that how do we, how do we make AI accessible in productive ways? Yeah, I think, I think it'll be very similar to what you see now. Um, you know, there's not going to be a, just an AI enabled device that kids get. It's going to definitely be tied to the technology they're already using. Mm. Um, so it'll be on their Chromebook. It will be, you know, on their personal device, on their cell phone, 
Um, most of them will just be a, a platform or resource that we already use, but it'll be augmented with AI. Um, so really ensuring that our students have access to high quality capable devices, which we already do, and that internet access at home um, will be vital to make sure that they, they can use and leverage these tools appropriately. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that uh, as we think about that, you know, a computer, Chromebook, laptop, tablet, that's very tangible. You can yeah. see it, uh, and, and that certainly does help. It's got different capabilities, but then, um, you know, from what I'm hearing you say, you know, AI may look a little bit more invisible. It's it's there. Yeah. You may not know it. You yeah. may you may know it, and, and then you'll have to try and figure out the way that that right. uh, platform or that resource, whether it's a curriculum resource or something that's already embedded in a suite that you're using, you'll have to determine, you know, whether you think it's it's a productive way that they've decided right. to harness, you know, AI. Yeah, if you use ChatGPT, it's just a text box on a, on a screen, right? It doesn't feel like it's this huge tangible object, but what's happening behind the scenes, it's very expensive to run and maintain that. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has huge data centers dedicated to just that text box you see on the screen. Um, so, you know, we can't put a huge data center in everybody's house and give them their mm -hmm. own, you know, AI system, but you can leverage kind of those cloud providers. So it is just this, you know, portal you log into and use from anything. Gotcha. All right. Let's think a little bit about, you know, how do we govern something like AI? Usually yeah. when something pops up, you kind of try to fall back on existing policies or regulations. So certainly school districts have uh, policies, regulations, their state policy regulations, federal government has those types of things. Um, and then, you know, something comes along and maybe disrupts a little bit and you're kind of trying to govern it based upon what you currently have in place. Um, but then certainly there might be a need to develop specific, uh, more productive ways uh, to, to, to kind of govern, govern things. So talk a little bit about that. What, what do you think about in regards to updated, um, specifically maybe education policies as it relates to AI? Yeah, so we don't have any policies right now that necessarily address AI specifically. You know, if you look at Afton's acceptable usage policy in the, the handbook that students signs that kind of cover technology uses, um, it's very general. It's just mm -hmm. kind of a general guide on acceptable use. Um, and I think in the current environment and context, that makes sense for how we're using these products. Mm -hmm. um, you know, moving forward, you know, we could wait for uh, a law to be passed or some regulation to come down from the state or the federal government. Um, I'm not hopeful that will happen um, anytime soon mm. or with any kind of um, understanding of what's happening. You know, you, you can watch the, and not to get political at all, but you can watch when Facebook comes and they talk to politicians. They don't really firmly grasp, you know, the technology that's going on behind the scenes. Mm. And AI, um, it, it's complicated. It's sure. complex. Um, you know, a lot of it isn't just intuitive to think about. And there's a lot of fear and things that happen behind the scenes. Um, so waiting on them to come up with some kind of guideline or guidance that we have to to follow, I think, will be a um, – it's not going to happen, I don't think. Um, so that's where the district has to come and try to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So when we start really looking at future casting, you know, 
when we get to a point where maybe we're evaluating AI tutors, um, before we even do that, you know, we'll, we need to sit down and develop some guidelines mm-hmm. and, and understanding of how these tools should be adopted and used in the classroom. Gotcha. And, and so, you know, it might be similar to, or in some realm, <clears throat> the topic of, uh, say, data privacy. Yeah. Um, sometimes, yeah, you, when you look at the federal law or state law, you know, you may not think that uh, that's going to really protect your district. So, so, so you may take some extra steps to say, you know, I think we're going to need to do some vetting, even though it's maybe not required, or even though uh, the guidelines don't say that we have to do things. Um, it, w- what role, you know, how will AI, you think, shape the shape policy, knowing that, you know, some districts have had to take uh, more of a, a proactive role with uh, data privacy, yeah. have gone through vetting resources before just implementing them. Uh, how might that be the same or different with, with AI? Yeah, so I think just high level, we'll have to think about, um, is it acceptable to use AI-generated lesson plans? Mm-hmm. You know, what level of human oversight will will we need to have on these products and platforms? Um, I don't think anyone in education um, or anyone kind of in the tech sector would argue, adopt an AI system and just let it go. Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be that human element of oversight and, and checks and balances. Um, and like I mentioned before, how can we ensure that bias isn't unintentionally being created? Because um, mm-hmm. that definitely you know can happen on the data that's being fed in these systems mm-hmm. and then of course data privacy we've said that several times <laughs> um, that's always one of the top concerns that I have with with any tool or resource that we adopt mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and to your point the laws that govern that were written before the internet existed <laughs> um, so they're slow to move they're slow to change and, and many districts have adopted their own internal practices to kind of you know, do better than what they're legally required to do. Gotcha. All right. When you kind of think about the topics we've touched on, uh, technological advances, um, uh, an AI-driven world, uh, AI inequity, policy regulations, anything else you want to circle back to within those? Or? No, I think we kind of hit hit everything that um, <clears throat> I feel qualified to try to predict or forecast. All right. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, Adam, I I have a a funny little story. I'll let you tell this. Uh, I told Adam I wanted him to be my first guest. So when we were going to do a podcast, Afton Unplug, I said, Adam, I want you to be our first guest. Want to do maybe a couple episodes on artificial intelligence. And then what were your next steps after knowing that? So I immediately went to ChatGPT and I said, give me an outline for a podcast broken up into three 20-minute sessions on AI and education. Um, the words I used in all these podcasts are mine. ChatGPT didn't generate those, <laughs> but it generated a very good outline of how to structure and you know have this conversation. Um, so it provided that kind of guideline on how to even have the conversation about itself, uh, which is a little strange to think about. <laughs> um, but that that's the kind of stuff that chat gpt in particular is very good at so instead of me sitting down and okay let's think of this let's just let's ask ai it knows these words it knows how to structure these things um and it gave a a really good format that required just Mm -hmm. you know just a little tweak on our part to make work for our district 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. I guess uh, because this segment is on trends and predictions, can I assume uh, the prediction is not that AI will go away? Oh, it's absolutely not going to go away. Oh. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're going to see more and more and more of it. Um, it's been, as someone who's a, t- a technical person and I love technology, it's been extremely difficult to keep up with all the changes that have come really since ChatGPT launched last year. Um, there's a lot of money and a lot of resources behind it and a lot of people that want to be the first to have the the best system. So, um, you know, there's some, some folks that think we're in the um, AI wars, meaning wars between companies, not robots uh, attacking <laughs> humans. But, um, yeah, it, it's definitely not going anywhere. All right. Well, again, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up uh, this episode and uh, certainly – Sounds like maybe maybe we'll be asking you to come back, Adam, to talk about more things, depending yeah. on how, how quickly things move. Happy to. <clears throat> All right. Well, as we wrap up, again, this is a part three of a three-part series on artificial intelligence and education. And as always, if you have any uh, questions, have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at info, I-N-F-O, at aftonschools.net. And we'd love to hear from you and hope you enjoyed this three-part series. Uh, again, thanks, Adam, for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll sign off for now. Thank you for listening to Afton Unplugged. And remember, in the Afton School District, education is the most important thing we do. We'll see you out there. Sounds driving.